This is Monday Morning Sports Ball. My name is Ray, and if you normally listen to me on the flight cast, you might be wondering, what the hell is this show? This isn't my normal flight cast. First of all, it's Monday. Why is this coming out on a Monday? Isn't it normally Saturday when your show comes out? And second, what is what the hell is Monday Morning Sports Ball? Well, listen, this is a new show. I guess you could say this is part of the flight cast network, if you will. I guess I'm I'm expanding again here, right? Because full disclosure, in addition to being a geek about movies, TV, and other assorted media like I normally talk about, I'm also a sports fan. I am. I'm a huge sports fan. I've been a huge sports fan since I was a kid. I guess you could say, like, where did it start? I had baseball. Baseball was, like, the first big sport that like, I got into as a kid. And then, you know, living, being born and raised in Detroit, on like Detroit pro sports, it was like, okay, I love the Tigers, but you know, the nineties were like, you know, some lean years for the Tigers. The Tigers haven't won a world series since I was like a year old in 1984, but like I was still a fan, right? I just still loved the game, but it got to a point where as I got older, it was like, okay, are any of our teams in like the city of Detroit good? And the only one at the time that was really good, like back then in the nineties was like, the Pistons were kind of good in basketball, but the wings the Red Wings, they were really good. So that's when I got into hockey. And around the same time that I got into hockey was also when I got into football, like in general, not because of the Lions. No, I did not get into football because of the Lions. But like, yeah, it was like mid-90s. I got into like hockey and football and then basketball, which has always kind of been my number four, like just kind of followed after that. You know, especially like, like I said, the Pistons were kind of good back then they had like Grant Hill and Allen Houston and a couple of others so you know that was cool but yeah I I have been a sports fan since I was a kid I follow pros I follow college like you know obviously I've got favorites I'd say probably my fa- my 1A and my 1B is football and hockey uh, and that's kind of interchangeable in fact it, quite honestly I I was way obsessed with hockey like a lot more than I was with football when I was younger and I still Love the game. But yeah, I've always, you know, when it comes to like talking about sports, I've always said that like with sports, sports can be just as geeky and nerdy as like anything else. Like seriously, like think about everybody that plays fantasy football yearly, especially now for money, you know, thanks to like DraftKings and some of these other places. Like you play fantasy football, you have a fantasy football draft. And I remember, I I, I can't take credit for this because this is a meme that has been done over the years, I don't know where it started, where it came from, but like the the picture of all the guys at a fantasy football draft, and like there was a caption, it that's just D and D, it's just tabletop for sports nerds, for for jocks essentially. Yeah, totally, that's exactly what it is. You're you're playing a role playing game because you don't affect anything that is happening in these games. You're just picking teams. You're picking you know your, your players that you think are going to do well. They're going to score you the most points and that's literally how you you score every day or like every week and you know you they're I mean we're talking leagues with like thousands of dollars like and huge buy-ins and trophies and all this crazy stuff like they they made a show out of it called the league right and it's all about people being nerdy about sports you know and you there's always a sports nerd somewhere someone that will tell you what the shift is in baseball someone that can explain to you what a 335 defense is in football someone that'll tell you Oh, I remember the days of the left wing lock back in hockey or, you know, what a wing is in basketball, right? There's all sorts of strategy and terminology and yeah, absolutely you can geek out over that. Plenty of people geek out over that and it's hilarious over the years 
the sports geeks that, you know, the, the guys that really like get geeky, that, not just guys, because plenty of women are sports fans. And I've known quite a few awesome women that are sports fans over the years. But anybody that gets a lot of people that get nerdy over sports tend to like look at the nerd stuff like movies and TV and comics like, oh, wow, get, look at those nerds. Oh, really? Um, I bet if, if I asked you to tell me what a 46 bear is, you could tell me exactly what, and, and they'll, they'll diagram it to me. They'll, they'll, they'll get out the chart, right? And they'll get, they'll, they'll, they'll dry erase and they'll, they'll do the X's and the O's and they'll be like, okay, this is here. This is a three technique. This is this. If you can explain all of that to me or anybody else, you're a nerd. You're a nerd. You are. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being a nerd about sports. And I definitely, I'm not like as much of a nerd about sports as a lot of others, right? But like all these analysts and all these people you see on ESPN, they're all sports nerds. Every last one of them. So there's nothing wrong with it. And yeah, so that's what this show is going to be about. Because in, in the middle of like being on Twitter and talking to mutuals, it's like, okay, a decent amount of you are tweeting about sports, right? Largely football and basketball, but there's definitely some baseball I know on Vodka Stream with Dave the Film Junkie, he and I have talked baseball more than a few times on his show because he's a huge Giants fan. And, of course, I'm a Tigers fan. And, yes, I made it very clear to him from day one of the the, the very first Vodka Stream that I was on. Yeah, I do still kind of hold a grudge against the Giants for the 2012 World Series. I, I'm never going to let that go. I still hate Pablo Sandoval to this day. I don't like him. Not a, not a fan. Sorry. Just... It, that's a raw wound, right? Especially back then where it was like, that was our window to win a world series. It was the first time I was ever going to see a world series victory in my adult life as a Tigers fan. They haven't won one since I was a year old and couldn't even remember what the parade was like. Right. And it was just snatched away from me. Right. So I, that's, you know, if you're a sports fan, you'll get it. You understand. But at any rate, like I used to have my Twitter accounts, like, divided like I had a my regular account the flight cast and then I also had a flight cast sports account and I would only do sports on that and then after a while it was like okay well all my other mutuals that I talked to about like comic book movies and everything like they they watch sports too and I'd it's it's never like I'd love to talk to them and like get into discussions and tweet and stuff like this about that so I decided to merge it about a year or so ago I remember I put out a poll and I was like who would be interested who, who would be okay if I started talking about sports on this account. And there was like a handful of people that were like, no, no, don't talk about sports. Did just talk about it. And it's like, I no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about sports. You, you don't have to pay attention to like all of my sports. I don't advise people pay attention to everything that I tweet. I mean, pay attention to whatever you like, obviously, but you know what I say on my other show. It's all subjective. And quite honestly, that does extend to sports. It's a little trickier, though, in sports because obviously because of the competition and because of, like, scoring, there are definitely some statistics and, like, objective measurements that are, you know, that are not subjective. However, a lot of the arguments that are made can be very subjective because of the opinions and the perspectives that everybody has on certain players and certain leagues and what is going on? So that that is you can't really escape subjectivity even in sports. But yeah, I've always wondered is like, okay, you know what? I like sports. It's definitely something that I can talk about. It's definitely one of those subjects that I could certainly podcast about. One of these days I'm gonna do it. And I kept thinking, like, all right, I, I tried making it a segment on the regular flight cast show, like when I first started it. That didn't totally work out. I didn't stick with it. And so then I, I saw a couple of, a few, I think like Omari Daniels and I think maybe even 
uh, Hannibal, Superfan, K. Like, I think a couple of them, like, a couple of my mutuals on Twitter who talk about sports, they were, they were like, yeah, go ahead. It'd be cool if you talked about, you know, if you had a sports show. Like, if you talked about sports topics. And so that's what this is. Monday morning, sports ball. Yes, sports ball, because that's like the... The, the the nerdy thing right if you don't know like if you're if you're uninitiated to like any of the the major sports or anything like that that's kind of the the catch-all term so here's the deal right this is just going to be a thing that i really try to do weekly and you know try to do it for monday morning so it's like sunday night you know like the end of the weekend it's like okay you know after sunday night football is over and you know especially during like the football season which we're like halfway through it for the pros and we're like three quarters of the way through it for college. Right. And it's like, okay, you talk about the week that was, you know, anything that interested you, where your passions are definitely like with your favorite teams. Right. Cause I got a lot to say. I do. I normally have a lot to say about geeky stuff. I have a lot to say about sports stuff as well. So seriously, if you are so inclined to listen to any of my sports opinions, please continue to listen. I got some doozies to start with this first episode because I got to begin with one of my most passionate Sports probably, yeah, it might even be my number one like passionate league or like organization to talk about, and that's college football. And that is because, you know, obviously, growing up a Lions fan in the city of Detroit, you learn very quickly at an early age that you can't, you can't rely on the Lions to give you any sort of satisfaction in life whatsoever on the football field. So, more than likely, you're going to gravitate toward one of the college teams. And mind you, the state of Michigan has several college teams, but it really boils down, no disrespect to the central, western, and eastern Michigan people, it really boils down to two schools in the state of Michigan. The University of Michigan, which is my fandom, that I have been a fan of that school since I was four years old, uh, when my mom and dad took me to central campus in Ann Arbor and I loudly proclaimed that I would attend the University of Michigan, which I didn't entirely do, I didn't, all right. I didn't go to U of M Ann Arbor, or at least I haven't been to U of M Ann Arbor, but I have attended and am like 20 credits away from a degree at one of the satellite campuses. U of M has two satellite campuses, one in Dearborn, one in Flint. I have studied at the one in Flint. Depending on who you talk to, you didn't go to U of M. It, Flint and Dearborn doesn't count. Like Idiots will tell you that. It's like, whatever, the block M will be in my degree when I get it. I don't care. It is what it is. But then there's also Michigan State University, and they played this past weekend, and it sucked. Oh, it absolutely sucked. And that that's where I want to begin with this particular deck, because I've been arguing with Michigan fans seriously for like the last 24 hours. A number of them have blocked me on Twitter, because, you know, it, it's just insanely frustrating, and and. Here, we'll get in. If you're a college football fan, I'm not going to like give like a primer. You know what the situation is. You probably followed it. You understand it. Jim Harbaugh has been the head coach at the University of Michigan for seven years. This is his seventh season. And he was brought here legitimately to like beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, bring us back to a place of glory that we hadn't seen in a long time because the seven years before him, we, we couldn't even beat Toledo. Right? We, we, we struggled to beat Maryland and Rutgers in the Rich Rod and Hoke era, right? So part of his responsibilities when he came back, you know, when, when we plucked him from, you know, when he left the Niners, when he left the, the pro job a couple years removed from having been in the Super Bowl against his brother John, the whole thing is you're coming to Ann Arbor so that we can, you know, we can beat Ohio State, we can win the Big Ten, right? And, and we can 
you know, get into the college football playoff and, and do all of that. And it, it has not happened. It just has not happened. It has been a disappointment. And I can say that as a Michigan fan, as a diehard Michigan fan, it's been a disappointment. And I feel like any Michigan fan that tells you it hasn't been a disappointment is is really fooling themselves. And they're really just, you know, kind of deluded, to be honest with you. It's like, if you sit here, you know, and, and all the excuses come out whenever Harbaugh loses a big game. It's like, oh, well, he's won 70% of his games and he's led the program with honor and integrity. And it's like, okay, guys, look, I realize that you're old and, you know, white-haired or blue-haired, as, as I like to put it, that's that's the phrase, the, the blue hairs. I realize that, you know, you, you come from the days of Bo and three yards and a cloud of dust, and it's all about, oh, stay above the line and, and, and don't ever come down to the line of the cheaters like Ohio State and everybody else. We don't do that. We're Michigan. We're better than everybody else. We, we have our nose in the air. This is why everybody hates us. This is why, like... Everybody versus Michigan exists. This is why the whole arrogant asses in Ann Arbor thing started many years ago, because of this particular attitude that a lot of older Michigan fans have and propagate through the years. It's ridiculous. Michigan football has never been elite in our lifetime. If you have to go all the way back to Fritz Chrysler and Fielding Yost to talk about when Michigan football has been consistently elite, you've gone too far back. And don't give me 1997, because that was one year. And Lloyd never repeated that. Yeah, he won 10, 11 games a season a number of times after that. And yes, of course, Lloyd Carr has won multiple Big Ten championships. But Michigan was never consistently an elite program on the national stage. Not like Nick Saban's Alabama today. Not like what Dabo Sweeney was doing with Clemson before this year. Not this year, but before this year. Not not like what you see with the SEC and with, and, and certainly not what you, we've seen with Ohio State. For the last decade and a half, I mean, even going back to the Trestle days, you know, even even in the days of the, the Jim Trestle ball, still Ohio State was vastly ahead, was moving forward and adjusting to the modern game much faster than Michigan was. And Michigan still struggles with that as a program. And so I got into an argument with all of these blue hairs about the Michigan-Michigan State game because it, it, it was awful. And, and it, you know, not that the... The general performance of the team was awful. I mean, it just it, we got our hopes up, and I, I, I had hedged my bets. I really had. I was emotionally hedging like all season. I was like, okay, look, coming into this year, you know, he changed his whole coaching staff. He got rid of Down Brown. Great, everybody figured out his defense. Whatever, you can't keep playing man coverage on tunnel screens. It's ridiculous, right? Everybody. Figured him out. You get rid of him. Bring in Mike McDonald from Baltimore. Okay, cool. You bring in Clink Scale to coach the DBs. You, or you bring in Ron Bellamy, you know, to, to help with the, you know, the Detroit recruiting and bring all that in. Yeah, you bring in Mike Hart to coach the running backs because we we need some stud. You know, we need our running backs to be developed into studs because it's been a while since we've had one. Yeah, awesome. But still, I kept my expectations so low coming into the season. I was like seven and five, eight and four. Because I looked at the schedule and was like, okay, I see four to five losses and they will be losses to me in the expectation column until they prove to me that they are wins. And those losses that I said, Washington, uh, at Wisconsin, Michigan State, at Penn State, you know, for what was we figured was going to be a night game. I don't think that's official yet, but, uh, and, uh, and even at home in Ohio State because we, we haven't beaten Ohio State. It's been 10 years since Michigan has beaten Ohio State, and Jim Harbaugh is 0-5 against Ohio. Is it 0-5? Yeah, it's 0-5 because the game did not play. They, they did not play the game last year. Yeah, whatever. You, the argument about whether or not they ducked out of it, it is what it is, right? 
yeah, they would have lost if they had played last year. At any rate, all these changes, and I said, okay. You know, and, and, and as they turned certain losses on my projection into wins, I changed the number, right? So after they beat Washington, it's like, okay, eight and four. And then after they beat Wisconsin, which was a big deal to go on the road and actually win in Madison for the first time since, uh, what was it, like 2005? It was like 20 years, like 2011, something like, or 20, 2001, pardon me, like even longer than that, right? I mean, it was only five games, but still 20 years, right? So like... That was a big deal. It's like okay, nine and three, right? And I, I knew I wasn't comfortable. I all week long, I was like, guys, I'm not comfortable about this Michigan State game. I'm not. And I saw so many people like, well, look at statistically, we've got the, one of the best defenses in the country. We have one of the best running games in the country. We we're going to be able to control the ball. Their offensive line isn't that great, and their corners are terrible, and all this. And I was like, okay, I hope you're right. I really did. and I said that all week. All week I hedged my bet. I'm like, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. You know, and we were all worried about whether or not we could throw the ball because Cade McNamara sure hadn't been throwing the ball very effectively as a passer. Like, I mean, he the the best he didn't do anything to lose the any games for Michigan, and and really he still hasn't. You know, despite the the game ending pick that he threw, uh, but we just weren't certain. You know, there was no indication that the passing game could be quite that lethal with him as a signal caller. And then Saturday happens, and he just turns into that. Throws for 400 yards and a couple of scores. That awesome touchdown, you know, that, that throw to Andrell Anthony in the first half, you know, the 93-yard the touchdown, fantastic. We've been waiting to see that all season. It's like, well, there's the explosive passing game we've been waiting for. He didn't break that out against Washington when he decided to run, you know, 50 times and, and for, for 343 yards or whatever it was, right? You know, I... We did. We finally everything that we wanted to see from that passing offense we saw with Cade McNamara, and they got out to a 16-point lead on the road in the second half, and they blew it, and they blew it, and that's where the emotional hedging stopped, right? Because I got my hopes up. I got my hopes up when they had the lead when they were up 30 to 14. It was like, oh, this is great, because you figure the defense has been stout all year, right? The, the, the defense has been strong, and yes. Michigan State has had, you know, they, they got playmakers, they got Walker, they got Naylor, they got Reed, you know, Peyton Thorne has been explosive at quarterback, but it's like, you know what, we, we, I'll trust, you know, David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson and, and the, the, that front seven, right, to, to, to help out the, the back the back four, which is like our weakest spot, the defensive secondary, but no, it just it just crumbled, they got outscored 23-3, to they blew a 16-point lead, and they lost 37-33, to and it sucks, it hurts, it's awful. Because as I've said, you know, I've said this before, like to people, it's like, you know, when it comes to the rivals, it's important for Michigan fans to like beat your rival. But by the same token, it's like, you know, you don't want to lose to any of them. And like in the hierarchy, which is more important? Well, historically speaking, Ohio State is our rival, right? It's the most important rival. And the older ones, the blue hairs will tell you it's our only rival. No, they're not. They're not our only rival. And stop dismissing Michigan State like we have any, like we, we, we're we just fine losing to them. No, we're not. We hate losing to them. And this is now the 10th time in the last 15 years that Michigan has lost to Michigan State. It's the fourth time in the last seven years that, that Jim Harbaugh has lost to them. They're three and four. He is three and four against Michigan State. And to make matters even worse, their new head coach, Mel Tucker, in his second year is undefeated. He beat Michigan with a team of nobodies last year as a 27-point underdog, and now he's beaten Michigan this year with a team full of 20 different transfers. 
including Kenneth Walker, who is like, you know, trying to do everything he can to win the Heisman Trophy. What do you have, 193 yards, five touchdowns, shredded McDonald's defense. And you're just sitting there like, okay, what in the hell is this? At some point, when are we going to, like, actually beat our rivals, right? Because I've made this argument about Jim Harbaugh against Michigan State. It's like, okay, look at the four. I can now say, look at the four losses, right? 2015, you know, if you could run the ball for a first down or if your punter doesn't fumble the snap, right, you you, you win that game, right, against a Michigan State team that may or may not have been better than you, like talent-wise, right? In 2017, if you have a quarterback that doesn't have a wet noodle for an arm like John O'Corn did, you win that game in a monsoon at home. There's no reason, and I don't care, people are like, well, you see how bad the 2020 team was? I don't care. Beat them at home. Beat them at home, even in a COVID trade. It, it was, it was, 2020 was awful. It was probably the worst loss. It was, it, as far as like, you know, statistically speaking, that was probably the worst Michigan State loss that Jim Harbaugh has suffered. And then you have this one where you literally built the lead and then you played scared. You settled for field goals in the second half. You couldn't punch it into the end zone. You got cute at times, the whole thing with like, you know, switching between Cade and JJ, right? It's just, no, you gave it away. So I can look at all four of Jim Harbaugh's losses to Michigan State and go, yeah, those are games you gave away. You literally gave those games away. And and Sparty fans will be like, well, thanks for not giving Michigan State any credit. No, y'all won the game. Obviously, you won the game. But don't act like Michigan didn't help you. And, you know, Michigan fans that, that are screaming right now, like if any, any that are listening to this and they're screaming like, oh, what about the refs? We got jobbed. We got screwed over. That fumble shouldn't have been overturned and all that. Yes, you're right. There were bad calls. The refereeing was atrocious. There were terrible calls, and yeah, all the Michigan, but that's happened. I've seen so many non-called, like, like, like missed holding calls in the Michigan-Michigan State game over the years. D'Antonio's teams held all the damn time on our defensive line, especially when, you know, it was Rashawn Gary and Mo Hurst and all those guys. That happened all the damn time, and it never got called, especially out there in East Lansing. But the 26 team played through that and still won. 2018 team played through that and still won and and, and made uh, what's his name's life what was it Lewerke made his life a living hell that particular year so it's like you know the better teams play through the refs you can't just pin it all on the referees for why you lost but it's a disheartening loss it is it's a very very disheartening loss and you know back to my original point about you know the, the hierarchy of the rivalry in many ways even though the old school Michigan fans can't understand this it's worse losing to Michigan State. It is. The Michigan State, can that game can hurt a lot more when they lose it. Why? Here's why. Because unless you live in Ohio, unless you live like in close proximity to a bunch of Buckeyes, you don't have to deal with that. You don't have to deal with them on a consistent basis wherever you go right after a loss, right? When you lose to Ohio State, you know, as long as you don't get on Twitter... And as long as you don't call anybody or like have any extended friends or family that like live in Ohio or, or are Ohio State fans, as long as you don't live in Ohio, you can avoid the trash talk. You can avoid all of the crap that you're going to get because you lost, because Michigan lost that game. It's unavoidable with Michigan State because there are Michigan State fans are our coworkers, there are cousins, there are parents, there are you know our our, our children, our, our wives, right? Cousins. Like, they're too you go to the grocery store yeah i've gone to sam's club and i've gone to the mall right and i've never been approached 
by an OSU fan because of my Michigan hat or my Michigan gear. I have been harassed multiple times by Spartan fans in public because of my Michigan gear. And that was the thing. When that game ended on Saturday, I was like, well, if I go anywhere, I got got to wear neutral clothing. Because if I wear anything, if I wear any of my Michigan clothing right after they lost to Michigan State, some Spartan fan that I don't know, who I don't want to deal with, even in the middle of me wearing a mask during a pandemic, is going to give me crap. And that that invariably can make that worse because we'll never hear the end of it. And Monday morning, this Monday morning, my my heart goes out to any Michigan fan that has to go to work and deal with their insufferable Spartan co-workers. They're an awful fan base. They are. They're a terrible fan base. I don't care what Valeni and Rico and any of those guys say on 97 won the ticket in Detroit, which I do listen to. I won't be listening to it this week. I don't want to hear any of their Spartan radio. It's funny. They they, they call like the, the morning show with like John Jansen and, and Mike Stone like Kremlin radio. Oh, please. If, if they're Kremlin radio, then, then you guys are hippy-dippy radio as far as Spartan stuff is concerned. No, it, it's it's no better. They think they are, but they're not. And it's going to be all just love fest for the green and white this week. I know it. So, no, there's no way. I'm tuning into that, but no, they, the Spartan fans are just as awful as some of the worst Michigan fans. They absolutely are everything that they hate. And so now you got a situation where Michigan State is 8-0 moving forward. All right, cool. You know, it is what it is. They they did win the game, and, you know, they, they won by four, whatever it was. It was the massive comeback. You know, we have plenty of reasons as Michigan fans to be upset about that. But going forward, it's like, okay, they're 8-0. Michigan is 7-1, and one, and there's still the back end of the schedule to play. We still both got to play Penn State, still both got to play Ohio State. So, you know, th- things are not completely determined here. And I, this is part of where the argument came into play on Twitter because I'm talking with Michigan fans, and I'm just like, uh, yeah, the odds are this isn't going to go well for us. I've seen this movie before. We get our hopes up, and then a stupid loss happens, and then it comes down to, well, you got to beat Ohio State, and we just don't do it. They don't beat Ohio State, Right. And if, if if you're wondering why I'm saying we, I talked to Stephen Colbert about this. It's different. It's a little different with college because with college, there's like an alma mater pride. It's like that's the school that you went to, whether it's a satellite campus or not. Or it, it doesn't even matter if you went to the school. There's still like an implied, like, you know, it's it's different than with a pro team, right? Even though college is very much like minor leagues for the NFL. But still, it's like there, there's, a, there's a bit more ownership, a bit more like pride, with that on the line, like the, the whole alma mater and the school pride stuff. So that's why we, like, is a little different when referring to, to college teams than it is with, like, pro teams or anything else. But, no, the, the back end of the season is still there, but I, I we've been down this road before, and I am just not willing to put my onions out there and be like, okay, yeah, Michigan's going to run the table and they're finally going to beat Ohio State this year. I, I, history says that's not going to happen. And I hate saying that, you know, but the... Ohio State is pretty much a designated loss at this point in the year. I hope I'm wrong. I do. I don't want to be right about that. I don't want to lose to them again. I want I want that streak of defugality to, to end at some point. But what empirical evidence do I have to show that it's going to end? If you couldn't handle Kenneth Walker, what what makes you think what makes me think you can handle Travion Henderson? If Peyton Thorne, you know, Peyton Thorne had kind of a of a human day, but C.J. Stroud is better than him. Right, Ohio State has more talent than them. He's got better wide receivers. Chris Olave is better than Reed or Naylor. Right? It, it, it just I I don't see it. I don't see it, and I I wish I did. Right, but but you know, and and you know, getting into the rest of college football, Ohio State 
you know, they, they, they didn't, you know, necessarily house Penn State like they'd been doing all these other teams, especially in the Big Ten. They they only beat Penn State by what was it, uh eight? What was it, twenty four to it was it was thirty three to twenty four, if I'm not mistaken, was the score for that. So that was a that was a tighter game. That was a closer game between Penn State and Ohio State than I think most of us were expecting. And it's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then perhaps we, I have to pull back. Cause I was, I was thinking, you know, after Penn state lost to Illinois, I said, okay, well maybe I can move it up to 10 and two because Penn state is imploding, right? Thinking that maybe the two losses would be Michigan state and Ohio state, which still really wouldn't be that. That'd be, that'd be like one of the most depressing 10 win seasons for a Michigan fan, because seriously 10 wins, but both of your losses were to your rivals. That would suck. Sorry, that's 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 just no good. But like, you know, it, but Penn State, you know, after they lost to Illinois in that stupid nine overtime game, which wasn't really nine overtimes because the overtime rule in college football is dumb. But like, I figured maybe Penn State is, you know, not as strong. Maybe they're imploding. But hey, they held their own, you know, and 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 they still lost. They they still have three losses in the year. But you know, perhaps they are not as broken as you know, the rest of us were hoping they might be at that point. So now I'm not sure. Now I'm back to not being sure. I, I'm back to like nine and three at this point for, for this team, as far as my expectation goes. And then just, you know, I don't blame people for being upset at Jim Harbaugh about it. You know, the, the, the people, you know, the other Michigan fans, you know, the ones that blocked me, you know, they're all upset because they're like, you're being, you're being a toxic hater and you're not a real fan. And, you know, I have been a fan of this school since I was four years old. Don't ever challenge my fandom. I don't care how old and gray you are. I don't care if you're hunting peck typing on your computer, yelling at me with your Ann Arbor degree in, in the background. I do not care. I am just as much of a fan as any of you, and my passion for the University of Michigan is just as strong as any of you. You don't get to tell me or qualify what my fandom is. If I if I won't let any like DC or Marvel fans or anybody like that qualify my fandom in, in normal nerd terms, why would I allow any of you? Just because you went to the school, or just because you have a degree there, or just because you're a booster and you put a bunch of money and and pay for season ticket licenses and all that stuff. No, that's the same. That's the type of arrogant, antiquated thinking that continues to hold Michigan back as a football program. And so all of them, you know, when I when I, when I was critical about the whole game, is just like Harbaugh three and nine against your rivals. You're three and four against Michigan State, and your own own five against the Buckeyes. That's unacceptable. It's beyond unacceptable. And at this point, it's like the only thing that you can really do to salvage, you know, what would be a special year for this team would be if you beat Ohio State. But I mean, you got to win out, right? You got to, you got to, this has to be, Michigan State has to be your only loss in the regular season. You have to win out. You have to finally beat Ohio State for us to get over the, the, the egg that you just laid, the 16 point lead that your team just blew against Michigan State. That that would that would make things square, right? Because at that point, then you know, if, if as long as Ohio State beat Michigan State, you can still get to Indy, right? Like for the first time ever, like you you've been here seven years, you haven't played for a big, you have you have not been to Indy, your team has not played for a Big Ten championship, you have not won the Big Ten East division, but you were given a contract extension, and it's like for what? Because he leads the team with honor and integrity. Well, I'm sorry, honor and integrity, there's no trophy for that to put in the case. Right? Paul Bunyan is not made of the Paul Bunyan trophy is not made of honor and integrity. It isn't. And it's not made of winning seventy percent of your games. It's 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 what you get when you beat your rival. And now for another year, 
that trophy has to stay in East Lansing because you didn't have your team ready because you held it and, and they fought seriously. I, I can't be, and it's, it's very difficult to put any of this on the kids ever because, you know, the coaches are the ones that are responsible for getting them prepared and for, for having them ready to, to go out there and deal with a rival. That's going to be tough and deal with a rivalry game. That's going to have a lot of intangibles in it. And, and it just once again, wasn't there once again, was not there. And, and you, you, you can't pin that on the kids. They tried Cade McNamara. He balled, man. He played his ass off. Seriously. Best game he probably has played in his life. And I hope that he builds on that. And I hope that's how he plays the rest of the year. I really do. I hope that, you know, the, the, what he built with Andrell Anthony in this game continues on. I hope Anthony, Andrell Anthony has an incredible finish to the season, him and Cornelius and Roman Wilson, all the other receivers, you know, and, and in concert with Corum and Haskins, I hope all of that is, is great for them. But yeah, just, it's tough. It's very tough, and no, the season is not over, but it's 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 difficult. It's difficult for me to sit here and tell you, well, I think Michigan will win out, and they'll finally beat Ohio State. I can't do that. I can't do that. Empirical evidence tells me that that's not going to be the case. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be going to be interesting down the road. They got Indiana next, which apparently is a night game. I don't know why they decided that that's going to be a night game in Ann Arbor, but it is. So all right. Fine. We'll see how that goes. Indiana gave Michigan State problems a couple weeks ago before they went on before State went on their bye week. We'll see how they handle and see how Michigan handles them because it's it's going to be a bounce back. It's going to have to be a bounce back. The guys are going to have to you know really like push this one aside and you know starting today they're going to have to really like move forward and you know get going in terms of responding. You know pushing this as far back in the rear view as possible and and building on you know. You know what did he say after the 2015 steal in their spine after the 2015 loss to Michigan State the first time Harbaugh lost to Michigan State that was his thing steal in their spine right it's like okay well we'll we'll see how it goes and hopefully it works out I certainly would never root against my team I just have my doubts and understandably I have my doubts so we'll see how it goes but you know a part of the reason that it was subject getting into the rest of college football here for a bit you know part of the reason that it was so disheartening is because the the whole college football landscape has been pretty wide open this year. I mean, Alabama tagged with a loss a couple weeks ago to Texas A&M. Ohio State lost in week two to Oregon. That was awesome. I watched that whole game. It was amazing. It was fantastic how Oregon, you know, dismantled them and basically out Ohio Stated them with their running attack, ran for over 200 yards, I think close 300 yards, and made Ohio State, you know, essentially one-dimensional for that whole game. Now, Ohio State has gotten better since, and they have just throttled everybody in the Big Ten up to this Penn State game that they only won by eight, or or by nine, rather. Pardon me. But still, it's like college football has been relatively wide open. You know, Iowa was the number two team in the country a couple of weeks ago. Uh, They they lost, or or after they beat Penn State, they suffered a really bad loss to Purdue, out of nowhere, and now Wisconsin just cranked them. The same Wisconsin team that Michigan destroyed. And, I mean, Graham Mertz was terrible before they knocked him out. And their, their backup quarterback was not very good at all. And now Wisconsin, they're in position where they, they may still end up winning the Big Ten West. And, listen, the Big Ten West is a terrible division. It's one of the weakest divisions in college football. But the fact that Wisconsin has put themselves in a position where they can still control their own destiny 
and win the division and get back to Indy again for the first time in, I think it's been a couple years since they've been there. That's insane. That just tells you, just from a Big Ten standpoint, how wide open it is, right? You've got two undefeated teams left in the conference, Michigan State and Ohio State. They will face off against each other in a couple of weeks. Is that game in Columbus or is it in East Lansing? Let's see. Where is that game going to be? That game is in Columbus. Okay, so Michigan State's going to... That's right, because they're coming to Ann Arbor the following week, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, to, to, to play Michigan. So, yeah, uh, that's all up in the air. But you look at the rest of college football, and it's like Oklahoma is 9-0, and but they keep, like, escaping. I think they won, but they beat Tech. They beat Texas Tech pretty handily this past week. But, I mean, that, that Texas game, you know, and, and the, the, you know, the Red River shootout, and, you know, the the whole switcheroo between Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams, that's been a crazy situation for Lincoln Riley. And I know a lot of people were looking at going, well, clearly Lincoln Riley is human and we see what he can do with generational quarterbacks when he had Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And now he's got to, you know, make do with, with lesser than. And it's like, well, no, let's not act like Caleb Williams is junk here because clearly he stepped in and he's revitalized this offense. He's revitalized this team. Whatever was going on with Rattler was not working. Wasn't working, you know, like it was it was just clumsy and it just, you know, it, it all came to a head in that Red River shootout and when he got benched and Williams came in and led the comeback, it was like, okay, now they can get back to rolling again. So they're probably going to win the Big 12 again. I mean, I don't see anybody else in the Big 12 that's really going to challenge them now that they've kind of got back to normal. But you know what else is interesting is Oregon keeps winning. And, you know, Oregon, they've had a, a really interesting year where it's like, you know, the Ohio State win is still like the best win on their schedule. But they had a, 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 a not great loss to Stanford, like Stanford, David Shaw, Stanford, Stanford's nobody at this point. Stanford is what, three and two, they're three and two now, two and one in the conference. And it's like, what is, what have they done? Like what, what justifies Oregon, a team like Oregon trying to win the Pac-10 losing to them? So that's, that's a bad loss on their schedule, and they've, you know, kind of squeaked by Cal by a touchdown, and, you know, they struggled with UCLA, but they won that by a field goal, and, and now they just, they wrecked Colorado, but it's like they're sitting there at 7-1, and one, and they're not getting the same consideration, like, in the, in the polls as, like, Ohio State's, it's going to be interesting to see the first CFP rankings, which are, which are coming out tomorrow. It's going to be very interesting, I think it's tomorrow, it's either tonight or tomorrow, one of the two, um, but, like, it's going to be very interesting to see where they're ranked in relation to Ohio State, because I think consistently Ohio State's been ranked ahead of Oregon, even though Oregon has beaten them. And it's like, are you arguing that Ohio State has a stronger strength of schedule? Because I could really argue that the Big Ten is not nearly as strong as you think it is. And it's not like Ohio State had the best out of conference, Tulsa and Akron, right? Like that that was the rest of their non-conference schedule after Oregon. It's like, okay, like... What does all that mean? So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's going to be a very interesting situation to observe because, of course, everybody's watching, you know, the, the, the non, you know, the, 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 uh, the group of five darling Cincinnati, right? You know, Luke Fickle, you know, uh, who I, I'm familiar with because he was a former Ohio State assistant. And the last time that Michigan beat Ohio State, he was the interim head coach. It was that year, you know, the, the couple years they had to deal with the suspension from the trestle fallout after he was fired and you know there was that one year uh, the interim year where Ohio State you know there were two years they weren't allowed to go to bowl games but like the first year they didn't even win enough games to qualify for a bowl and they wanted to and that was the last time Michigan beat them 2011 Brady, uh, Brady Hoke's first year they beat them 40 to 34 
And then after that, Urban Meyer came in. They went 12-0 and in a year that didn't count, right? They couldn't go to the Bulls. And then, like, a couple years after that, they won the national championship when they were legitimate again. But Fickle was there. He's since then, like, you know, kind of gone up the ranks. And now he's, you know, he's undefeated with Cincinnati. And, you know, there's all this talk, like, okay, can they make the CFP? And where will they be in the first ranking? Like, how is that going to work out? And we got to see where that goes and, and what their resume looks like. But it also really looks like, okay, Alabama lost a game, but Alabama is still Alabama. And, you know, they still got to go through the rest of the SEC. And most notably, it really just seems like at this point, rest of the nation is just cannon fodder for Georgia. It, d- d- does Georgia even look remotely beatable this year at one point? I mean, they, their closest game, the closest game they played all year was game one, which I watched in its entirety versus Clemson. And the thing that impressed me was just how much they held Clemson to a field goal, how much they shut down Clemson. Now, Clemson's offense, you know, went into the toilet. Maybe Georgia broke them that night because DJ Uyunglele, and like, he's been benched. And I think they have like three or four. I think Clemson is like a three-loss team at this point, which is insane. Like, they're completely out of the race. Like, they're done. Like, it's over for Clemson. <laughs> It was over like relatively early with respect. I mean, that first loss and they got tagged a couple weeks after that. But Georgia has just looked completely and utterly unbeatable, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's insane what they're doing defensively. And, you know, it's not like they're on the strongest of they're not, they're not like they're in the other division in the SEC. So they're not going to run into the tide until the SEC title game like they do every year. But, you know, is this the year? Will this be the year? that they finally, that Kirby Smart finally gets to beat Nick Saban. I don't know. If there was, listen, if it doesn't happen this year, Georgia, I, I don't know when it's ever going to happen. I don't. I'm not sure. Like, if it's ever, if it's not now, it's now or never for the Bulldogs, seriously. And they, they flirt, they've been in the playoffs, right? They made it to the national title game only to lose to Alabama. The one year that they got to win the SEC was the year they didn't have to face Alabama in the SEC championship game. Instead, they faced them in the national championship game, lost. In in OT or it was either OT or double OT, one of those two. It was it was Tua's game winning touchdown, his coming out party, Tua Tungo Vailoya. And it's like, wow. Uh so yeah, we'll see. But yeah, it it's been otherwise a fun year, other than the crappy Michigan Michigan State game. It's been a fun year in college football because it's nice to see it wide open, right? I mean, yeah. It still could be, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia. That could totally be your playoff. That could absolutely be your playoff. Cincinnati could be a nice story, right? And, oh, but they'll just be on the outside and they'll get to a New Year's Six Bowl, right? Michigan State could be a nice story, right? You know, they could, it, we'll see what happens when they got to, you know, as they continue through their schedule and when they got to deal with the Buckeyes in in a couple weeks here. But, you know, it it's still, it's nice to see, you know, more of a wide open deal and, and you know, to, to actually look, actually feel like teams other than who we've just been used to seeing the last couple of years have a shot, right? It'll be very interesting to see how the season ends, but it, it's been fun so far. Again, like I said, other than the stupid Michigan-Michigan State game, college football has been a lot of fun to watch so far this season. So with that in mind, let me talk a little bit about the NFL because, um, yeah, I, I'm a Lions fan, and because of that, I decided you know it was very important for my own mental health to really, like, become a red zone disciple. Like, seriously, that, that's the only way I can watch football on Sundays is NFL red zone. I can't it, I can't sit there and watch the entirety of a Lions game and only focus on that. That's just torture 
It is. It's torture. And the Lions are not going to win a game this year. They're not. They will become the first 0-17 team in NFL history. Did you see the Philly game? Did, did you see any? You didn't even need to see the Philly game. Just look at the score. Just look at the score of the Philly game. And and, and that's I don't even need to say it aloud. Just just go to Google Eagles Lions and 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 look at that score, and and you you tell me where this team is winning a single game this year. It, it's not happening. It's not happening. And any of you like I have a lot of Bears fans that are mutuals. If any of you are listening to this, Eric or Brad Howard, anybody, if any if any of you are listening to this, like remember what I told you last year. That game, right, you guys were all upset, that game between the Bears and the Lions, and you were all upset because the Lions had this lead, and you were so mad that the Bears were screwing it over, and I told you, I said, third course, I was like, just give it time, don't worry, you got this in the bag, don't worry, you didn't believe me, and then when that game was over, you'd won by like a touchdown or something, because I knew the, I saw the signs, I knew the comeback was happening, trust me on this, the Lions are not winning a game this year, it ain't happening, they will be 0-17, 0-17, the first 0-17 team. To, I would not bet against that. I just wouldn't. And it's... Ugh, I don't even know where to begin as far as how painful it is to be a fan of that particular franchise. We're just talking about... We're talking about decades of ineptitude, generations of ineptitude, all surrounding the ownership group of the family, and until they sell the team, nothing is going to change with respect to the Lions and their constant failure, they are the laughing stock. I don't care. It, listen, your team could be the worst, right? Browns fans, remember, that used to be a, a, an argument. Who was worse, the Browns or the Lions? Well, it's not an argument anymore because the Browns made the playoffs last year. The Browns are actually legitimate, right? I know they lost this past, this past weekend, but still, the Browns are a legitimate team. They're a legitimate franchise, right? Beyond just you know, Kevin Costner and Jennifer Garner's Heroics and Draft Day, which they got a movie, right? You know, it's like, whatever. Like, I, I just, I, it's, ugh. Enough about the Lions. The rest of the league. The rest of the league, seriously. Um, I know, like, like Travis, or, or like, uh, uh, Travis and a couple of others, I know that, like, Travis Snell is a Packers fan, and it's like, okay, yeah, y'all will run away with the NFC North. They were the first ones to tag Arizona with a loss this year, and it was like, okay, fine, whatever. Nobody was going to go undefeated in the league. I'm not a, I'm not a Packers fan. I mean, obviously, being a Lions fan, I, I, I just can't root for the Packers or, or the Bears or the Vikings, like ever. It's just that's not in my DNA, right? And, and it's even worse because I know that all three of those teams have a better shot at winning the division than we'll ever have. But Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and obviously, you know, all after all that offseason BS, the Packers are, are rolling in it, and I, I don't know how strong they are as far as, like, playoff contention. Like, I, I don't know that they're on the on the Cowboys level, and I did, you know, the Cowboys, they just won a big one, right? Like, that, it, it, ordinarily, that wouldn't, a win over the Vikings wouldn't necessarily be that big, but they lost Dak Prescott so close to game time, and he might be out for a couple of weeks, because apparently he's got, like, a tear in his abdomen, at least that's what I saw. Like maybe that was, I don't know where I saw that from, but I, I, it was kind of, it was reported, I think somewhere on Twitter that he has a tear in his abdomen. And it's like, Ooh, he might be out for a minute, but Cooper Rush, 
who threw for like the second most yards for any like Dallas quarterback debut, something like that, like 325 yards, led them to victory at the last, you know, at, at the end of the game. And the, you know, the defense stepped up. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who I, of course, I loathe him, former Buckeye, but he had he had an amazing play to set up Amari Cooper's touchdown pass. Like it was a great game. It was a big win for Dallas. And do I think that the Packers are on that level? I, not necessarily, but it's tough for me to like look at the NFC and tell well, who is the best team? Like, are they, are the Rams that much decisively better than anybody else? I don't know. I'll tell you what, offensively, it's like the best marriage in the NFL is Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Like, seriously, is there any better marriage between a quarterback and a wide receiver than those two right now? Cooper Cup is literally catching everything that Matthew Stafford throws him. It's insane. And, as somebody who never blamed, I was a Lions fan that never blamed Matthew Stafford for the team's issues. I didn't think he was like the greatest quarterback in the world, but I never put it all on him. When the trade happened for Jared Goff, first thing I said was, he'll win a Super Bowl with the Rams within the next year or two. It'll happen, just despite us. And so far, statistically speaking, in the regular season, what are they now? 7-1? and one? They're tied with the with the Cardinals in, in terms of record. I think the Cards... Uh, hold the tiebreaker and are ahead of them right now in the NFC West. But they, you know, everyone was like, well, look, look, look at how the Lions, you know, look at how the Lions hung with them. Yeah, whatever. Up, down theory. They had a down game and they still won, right? They, look at what they just did to the Texans. Look at how they just annihilated them, right? No, I, Matthew Stafford is like in such a better place right now. And the Rams, like, it, you could argue that they are the best team in the NFC. You could argue that, but it's like it's it, you know, between them and Arizona. You know that the NFC West is 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 still kind of a tough division. I know the Niners. I know injuries have screwed them over again. I know Seattle is dealing with Wilson being out. He he's he might be out for another two weeks or so. They're they're saying now that he might be able to come back early from that finger that that really awful finger injury that just looked terrible on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago. I did still my my hand hurts when I think about it. It was because it was gnarly and I, I didn't like it. But, you know, Seattle and, and the Niners are dealing with some stuff, right? But like Arizona and LA are just kind of running away with it. Tampa lost, you know, to, to New Orleans. You know, everybody was freaking out over that, that, that game losing. It, it wasn't exactly, it was, yeah, it was a game losing pick six that Brady threw at the end of the year. It was like, oh my God, he, he, you just, you're not used to seeing that from Tom Brady. That was Tom Brady's 194th interception of his career. It's not like the dude's never thrown picks. And at some point, you know, you're like 42, 43, 43 years old. You've won seven titles. You're allowed to, to screw up like that. It's not like Tampa Bay isn't still winning the NFC South. They probably are, right? I, I, I would not count them out with respect to that. It'll be interesting, though, because New Orleans is right there. But now, but, they, but they've lost... Jameis, Jameis is probably going to be down for a minute. They're, they're saying that could be a serious, I think it was knee injury that they were talking about. So that that could make things interesting in the NFC South. But yeah, it, it's, I don't know, it's it's always kind of, in, in pro football, it's always kind of a wide open thing, right? Especially now, you know, it, this year, it really is wide open because I don't know what the day, and I've tried to talk to Brent on uh, Fans Without Borders and Squadcast Media, our show that we do there. He's a Chiefs fan, obviously, and I'm like, dude, what is the deal? Y'all just can't quit turning the ball over. 
<laughs> like it doesn't matter who it is, wide receivers, running backs, Mahomes, like just fumbles. And it, it's not even, I mean, Mahomes has thrown picks this year, but he's fumbling the ball, just the ball on the, put the ball on the ground. That's just been a problem for them. And that's why they're at the bottom of the AFC West right now. It's weird. It's really weird. I don't know how worried he should be like as a Chiefs fan, but it, it just, maybe the last couple of years of, of playing football all the way to the end, you know, having made it to back-to-back Super Bowls, maybe that's catching up with him. Something like that. I, I've seen some people, I've heard some people talk about how they want to be more of a finesse team and, you know, they just haven't really, they're not going back to basics and they need to, you know, go back to basics and, and, and you know, do the fundamentals right instead of always trying to be flashy and, you know, kind of like the greatest show on turf, like the Rams way back in the day with Kurt Warner, that type of thing. Because that's their thing, right? It was like, oh, look at the, all the dynamic playmakers between Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and, and, and all of that and, and, and Mahomes being as mobile and, and having the great arm that he has and all the no-look passes and it's like, okay, at the end of the day, maybe you just need to get back to the fundamentals. Block, tackle, you know, wrap up and, you know, just get some stuff in between the tackles, you know, complete like the normal five-yard outs and, you know, do some the, the regular dink and dunking, you know, the, the, the basic air raid stuff because that's what Andy Reid's been running in Kansas City, like, since Mahomes is there, he's basically made a pro-style air raid, like, for the an NFL version of the air raid offense from, like, Texas Tech in the Big 12. It, it's no different than what Kingsbury, you know, Kingsbury's brought some Big 12 air raid concepts to Arizona for Kyler Murray, and it made sense. Kingsbury is a, a Big 12, a former Big 12 coach. Kyler Murray is a former Big 12 quarterback. It made perfect sense to do that, to incorporate that. But, yeah, it, Chiefs just need to get back to basics. And the AFC West is a weird division. It's like, do you trust the Raiders? Do you trust the Vegas Raiders that much to hang on to that lead? I don't know. I know the Chargers lost. The Chargers uh, lost. Who'd they lose to? Yeah, and that's the other thing, like, with, with, with Red Zone is like, okay, you, 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 you're getting snippets. I mean, in some cases, in depth, you're looking, like, you can see progressions. It's not like Red Zone just puts you on an island for each of these games. They They will show you, like, a progression, and, like, you can get an idea of what is going on and they'll show you stats. Like it, it's more comprehensive than just, Oh, well, here's every game and here's snippets from each one. And you're not really getting the full picture. No, you can get a picture. Of what's going on. They lost to the Pats. That's right. The Patriots who are now four, four and four at even 500. And you know, there's still like a couple games back of the bills who won today and are leading the, the AFC East. But you know, you, you can't ever count Bill Belichick out. Right. And he's got Mac Jones there, right? He's the heir apparent to Tom Brady, right? So we'll see. Right? Every time I look at that dude, he just, it's almost like they're training him to just be a Brady clone, right? It's like in the way he moves in the pocket, the way he drops back, and just even like his mobility, like any of the times that he does run. And he, he does have a bit more mobility than Tom has ever had. And I say that having been a Tom Brady fan since college, because yes, I was one of the few, I was in the minority of people who wanted him to start over Drew Henson at Michigan. I was, because he was the upperclassman, and we had won a national championship with, with Brian Greasy as a fifth-year senior, so I felt like it was it made more sense to have the upperclassman there, and it, the game just seemed different whenever he was a quarterback, while the entire rest of our fan base was like, put in Drew Henson, put in Drew Henson, screwed us up multiple ways. But at any rate, yeah, it's... 
it's interesting what the, the Patriots are doing. They're, they're trying to cheat the system. They don't want to do a full rebuild. They're hoping that Jones and like the, the, the piecemealing stuff that they can do can like keep them out of full rebuild mode from, you know, the, the earlier dynasty that they had with Brady. We'll see if it works, but I don't know. They've got, they've clawed their way all the, all the way back to four and four. They're, they're at 500. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the second half of the season. Um, you know, and, and, and the NFL is such a weird league, right? The Bengals, the Bengals, I, I thought for sure that they were just going to make mincemeat out of the Jets and lo and behold, Jets get the win. Robert Sala, his second win as a head coach. Like, wow, wow. Did not see that coming. That was, <laughs> that was a gutsy effort from the Jets. And you know, really, I think it, it just, you can chalk it up to, well, the Bengals, they, 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 they came back down to earth. A little bit. They they were riding high, you know, especially you know, like through the course of their season, you know, they 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 had that big win against the Ravens. They had that big win against the Ravens last week, and and this this is probably their up down theory, right? This is probably their up down theory, you know, like they 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 expended so much energy against Baltimore and then just kind of came out flat on the road against the Jets. It's probably what the case was with them, you know, and, and of course Burrow is, is young and, and, but he and Chase, man, I tell you, that was a great move to, to get both of those guys. It, it made all the sense in the world, you know, and for all the people that, you know, we're talking about how Jamar Chase was so rough around the edges. He was struggling so much in practice. Yeah. No one cares. Not at this point. Like that's not even remotely a thing anymore. So that's, that's intriguing with them, you know, and, and they'll, they'll be fighting Baltimore for the AFC North, the Ravens. It, it, I don't know what to think about the Ravens. I don't. Because I do like Lamar Jackson. And I do give him more credit than a lot of other people do. But they, they don't have running backs. Like, all their running backs just went to a mesh unit. And it's like, all right. And they, they, they're inconsistent. You know, like, like they're, they were on the other end of the up-down theory, right? Because the, the, the Bengals had their up-down theory this week with the Jets, but the week before that, it was when the Bengals beat the crap out of the Ravens. The Ravens, that was their up-down theory. It's like, okay, it did, you, you looked great. You know, you, you had that heavyweight battle against the Chiefs in Week 2, and that was awesome, and it was a great rebound for them after the, the season-opening loss to the Raiders, which I think was a Monday night game, if I remember that correctly. Uh, you know, they, they, they slept walk through that, the, the the Lions game and the record-breaking field goal from Justin Tucker that sank everybody in Detroit's hearts again for the umpteenth time. You know they they get out of there with a win. You know and then they beat they beat Denver. They beat the Colts. Uh, they, they 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 beat the Chargers. Right, like Justin Herbert and the Chargers is like, oh hey, well, look out for them. And and then you know they just run into this weird buzzsaw with the Bengals and it's like, okay, I, whatever. And they're, they're on a buy this week, but I, I just don't know entirely what to make of the Ravens. Not that I don't like the Ravens. I, I used to hate the Ravens like way back in the day. Like when, like the, the Trent Dilfer, Ray Lewis, Shannon Sharp days hated that team, hated, hated, hated that team, hated that team because they had no offense. None. Trent Dilfer was a terrible quarterback, probably the worst quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Seriously. And like, you know, that other than that, I think, what was it, Jamal Lewis? Jamal Lewis is a running back, and that was it. But they didn't do anything. They never did anything on offense. It was all that defense. There would be times when they would win games just with defensive scores. Or the defense would give them a short field and they'd go like five yards, touchdown, and that was it. It was ridiculous. And they won a Super Bowl like that. And they were arrogant as hell. They would talk trash. Ray Lewis would get up and do press conferences and feather bullet. I hated it. I hated it, hated it, hated it. 
But since John Harbaugh has taken over, I've liked what he's done. And I've liked the direct, you know, the, 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 the 2012 team that, you know, beat Jim in the Super Bowl, you know, with, with Flacco and all that. I like that team. I did. And I've liked what he's done with the Ravens since then. So I, I, I don't have any issues with them. That'll be interesting to see what they do. The Steelers are a weird thing too. Like the, the AFC North is a weird division. Cause at this point, nobody's like under 500, but like the Steelers are like four and three Cleveland is four and four. And it's like, okay, I, this could be that division where like your worst record is nine and eight, you know? And, and it's literally like, okay, well, who's, will they get two? probably not because the, the, the team that wins the division will probably have 10 or 11 wins and everybody else will have like eight or nine, something like that. I could see that being the case in the in the AFC North, where it's just kind of like a meat grinder, where it's like nobody is really running away with this one, and it's not like I mean, okay, the Titans are running away with the South, but it's still the South. You you can't really when when Carson Wentz, who threw one of the dumbest interceptions I've ever seen in the end zone earlier to, 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 to this past weekend against the Titans. When, when, when he's like the, the, the next team, like behind you and then the rest of your division is Jacksonville and Houston. Yeah, no, you, you, you just ought to win that division. It, there, there are no excuses for Mike Vrabel and you know, Ryan Tannehill. That, that's still, but Ryan Tannehill, that's your, really, you're going to make the playoffs. You're going to win the division with Ryan Tannehill journeyman right that happens every year right there's always like a journeyman quarterback that's been in the league for two decades it's just like oh well he he's our he's our rock now and ryan Tannehill, ryan Tannehill, whatever you know what he, he he's made it work you know same like it reminds me of, of of when keenum uh led the vikings to the playoffs and they had that 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 crazy win against the saints a couple years back right like it just there's always a story or like when nick Foles. Be- became like, oh my goodness, Nick Foles with the Eagles. It's like, whatever. It's just, ah, uh, you know, it is what it is. But like, yeah, the, the Titans just ought to win that damn division because there's nothing else. There's a, The Colts are not a threat. I'm sorry. They're just not. The Colts are not a threat and you have nothing. Jacksonville and Houston have two wins combined, right? They have a combined record of two and 13 at this point. So no, never mind them. It is what it is. But yeah, I... It's fun, you know, I enjoy watching, you know, like 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 seeing all the stuff play out and and again, red zone, like becoming a red zone disciple has just been a huge thing for me, seriously, cuz I can't sit there and rely on the Lions to give me anything whatsoever in the way of competitive football. So at least the NFL red zone can give me competitive football to look at and I can actually see, you know, like what is going on with respect to the league. So it's cool, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the the second half of the NFL season goes in general. Um, that's mo- football is mostly what I have to speak on. You know, as far as baseball goes, I know it's the World Series. I know uh, Astros staved off elimination. They forced a game six. They got a win against uh, Atlanta last night. And that's cool. You know, I, my whole thing, there's two things I, I'll say about the Astros. And it's that one is I am kind of rooting for them only because, you know, it. it's always, it's the easy thing to just go, well, don't root for the cheaters. And it's like, okay, look, yes, the Astros did cheat, you know, against the Dodgers a couple years back in, in the, in the world series. Yes, that did happen that, you know, and, and all manner of suspensions and everything, you know, has, has come down from that AJ Hinch. You know, that's how we got our manager, AJ Hinch, you know, and I, the moment that he was like suspended, I, I remember saying, it was like, okay, listen, the day, the day his suspension is over, Alavila, 
general manager of the Tigers, needs to call him immediately. And I said that thinking there was no way that it was going to happen. Lo and behold, it happened. And A.J. Hinch is like one of the best managers in the league, and now he's here, and it's like, yes, cool, we get to benefit from that. We actually won like 75, 76 games this year, way more than I thought the Tigers were projected to win, being as awful as they've been over the last couple of years. So I, I kind of, I look at Houston and I go, okay, yes, they cheated, but you still have to be good. Like, you, you can't suck. You can't be a terrible team. You can't just be bad and cheating helps you win a title. No, you have to be good. Like, you have to be at a level of good and then the cheating pushes you over the top, right? And I'm not condoning the cheating. I'm not saying that the Astros didn't deserve to get punished for, for what happened. All I'm saying is don't act like they're just garbage and, like, the cheating made them good. You know, because everybody, as soon as they started winning, everybody's like, check the tape, see if they've been banging trash cans. No, come on. Seriously. So part of me is like, I want to see the Astros win without cheating, hopefully. Hopefully without cheating, I don't know. Have they gotten craftier about it? I mean, listen, to be very honest with you, my whole thing about the cheating thing is that most of the other franchises in in Major League Baseball are hoping that it's just the Astros that get found out because just about all of them are doing something. They are. You'll never convince me that they're not. And again, I'm not excusing the Astros. They got caught, right? But, you know, the old adage of, if you ain't cheating, it ain't trying. Yeah, no, that's absolutely the case in baseball. But there, but there's that aspect of it. But the more important aspect of the Astros that I focus on is I'm just, I'm on Carlos Correa watch. Because I want him in Detroit. I do. I want Hinch to, like, I'm, I'm really hoping that Hinch, like, went to Chris Illich, the owner of the Tigers, and that he went to uh, Al Avila and he said, listen, uh, as soon as the World Series is over, we're, we're, we're going after, we're, we're, we're bringing Carlos here, right? You know, we're bringing, like, you know, an all-star shortstop that I have a personal relationship with because he was one of my players. We're bringing him here, right? It's going to happen, right? Because we need a shortstop, and we need to, like, push this forward, right? So I, that's my next hope, is that, that that Carlos Correa ends up being a Tiger because we, we need him. We so need, the Tigers need him, and that would be a lot of fun. We, 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 need, we need Detroit pro sports to be fun again. We do. Because it hasn't been fun. Like, okay, the, the the most fun that we've had in the last year with Detroit professional sports, honestly, is Cade Cunningham, <laughs> the number one pick. The fact that the Pistons actually won the lottery and got the number one pick. That's it. That's it. And and, and, and they're they're playing now, and but, but the Pistons are still going to suck. It's going to take a minute for them to, like, gel and for Cade to become the superstar that he's going to become. But, like, we need other things, right? We can't count on the Lions. We can't. We just cannot count on the Lions. And as far as the Wings go, the Red Wings, they, they, they listen, you know what? I'll talk about them for a second. They are showing some promise. They are. They're absolutely showing some promise. Like, they're, they're not perfect and they got issues, but I, I saw some defensive stuff and, and some, some shot blocking in one of their last couple of games that I, I haven't seen that type of defensive like strategy from them, like since the, the glory days, right? Since the, you know, the, the Zetterberg and Datsuk core, right? And of course, before them was the, the Iserman, Fedorov, Shanahan core and all those guys, right? Like I'm, I'm seeing some, some things that I haven't seen from the wings in a long time start to show up in this team. And that's a credit to, to Steve Iserman, general manager, for sure. Like he is overhauling this team and he's still working on putting pieces together and moving them forward. And this is year three, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, this is year three of his tenure as Red Wings general manager. And yeah, I mean, it's, 
you know, the, the, the NHL is, you know, ever since the salary cap, now that really has been wide open. I know Tampa Bay has won back-to-back Stanley Cups, and, you know, they're, they're kind of struggling a bit out of the gate. They're actually behind the wings. They're a point behind the wings in the Atlantic Division standings right now. It's, it's kind of interesting, and, and they had a, you know, that was a controversial opening game where they were at LCA, and, you know, the whole, you know, that was when Larkin got suspended because, you know, they, they, they took a run at, at one of the, he took a run at him, right? And, and he essentially got boarded and, you know, it was a, it was a high scoring game. It was 13 goals scored, 10 Bay one, seven to six in OT. And they've kind of been like, you know, not necessarily the world beaters that the Panthers have been world beaters, which is crazy because of all the stuff that they've been dealing with behind the scenes with that, 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 that awful mess, that, that, that awful situation with uh, Quenville and, and, and Kyle Beach and all that. That's just terrible, like awful what is going on there, you know, with Stan Bowman and, and, and stuff that was happening, you know, in, in the Blackhawks organization way back when. But the Panthers are still, you know, they're essentially unbeaten. They're 8-0-1. I think they just suffered an OT loss. Uh, Carolina is is 8-0. Uh, the, the Caps, you know, as, as we follow, like, Alexander, I, I listened to a podcast the other day. Uh, it was, you know, because Wayne Gretzky is part of a Turner broadcast team, you know, because they've got hockey now, right? And they were talking to Ernie Johnson and uh, Charles Barkley, and he was, you know, they were, they asked him about Alex Ovechkin breaking his scoring record, and he's, he's all in favor of it because he's in favor of, you know, growing the game, and he's just, he's very humble about it. Gretzky, has it. he was that one, he was one of those superstars, like, you just can't hate him. Right, you just can't find hatred for Wayne Gretzky. Dude is just like one of those genuine guys, and he was just, you know, the most talented hockey player, the goat of the of the National Hockey League, like the great one, right? Like before goat even existed, and he even talked about how he did. He you know, talked about how that the, the he didn't know what that meant. His kids had to tell him what goat meant, you know, as far as greatest of all time. But he's been called the great one since he was a kid. It was an awesome podcast, it really was. Uh, that uh, Travis. Uh, Hines and uh, Joe Fornaretto, uh, a couple of Twitter mutuals sent to me a couple of days ago. That was really awesome. Thank you, Travis and Joe, for sharing that. But yeah, uh, no, it's it's an, it's early. The, the NHL season we're only a month in, you know, and not even a full month necessarily. So we're you really don't start seeing what's going to develop within hockey until like you know around. Yeah, December, January, that's really where you start to see, you, you got to get like 20, 25 games in, you know, to really see where everybody is at because teams can have hot starts. Like I said, the Wings are 4-3-2 and two at this point, which is way better than I thought they were going to start the season, but we'll see how that grind goes. Obviously, I am really excited about Mo Sider and about Lucas Raymond. Uh, that's you know, put that put them together, and you know that you, you just see the and and what Valeno did the other night. It was like okay, against Toronto. It was like all right, yes, this is, we we are starting to see. So, and I, and I, I love the the off season moves. Like I love the trade for Nedeljkovic. Really glad that he started to you know like he he had a, a tough start to the season, but has started to bounce back last couple of games and 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 really you know turn into turn back into the goalie that he was last year when he was a Calder finalist. Uh, and I think he still qualifies to be a Calder finalist this year through some, I forget what the the conditions are, but some like crazy condition where he, he can be eligible for it again this year. But but again, like the, the defensive stuff is what is really surprising me. Like, like Adam Ernie just becoming this incredible shot blocker. It's like, wow, okay. And and, and like it's rubbing off on the rest of the team. Like I, there was a whole sequence 
where they were just blocking every shot they could, you know, and and in the in between Nadelkovic saves, and it was just it was it was refreshing to see. It was good to see, but it's still early. We'll see how it goes. We're only like you know nine, ten games into the season for most of these teams, so too early to tell, but promising at least to start as far as like the Wings core and like the rest of hockey. Uh, but yeah, I think that's everything that I've got for this particular first episode of Monday Morning Sports Ball. Because yeah, I love talking sports. I do. I love talking sports, as you can see, because it's been over an hour. I love talking sports as much as I love talking about all of the other geeky stuff that I usually talk about on the main show, The Flight Cast. And yeah, I finally decided to go ahead and do this and, you know, try and talk about this weekly and, and have a take on, you know, the, the sports that, you know, hopefully any, you know, those of you watch and, and pay attention to. Uh, I, I will tell you right up front that the the one that I am least, the sport that I am actually least familiar with, which is crazy, is, is basketball. Now, it's not that I'm not familiar with basketball. Of course, I know how the game works and I, I can follow it enough and I know players and all that. It's just, it's the one that I pay the least amount of attention to, but I, it's not like I don't know anything. I know who Giannis is. I know he won the title last year. I, I know about Phoenix. I know about the Lakers. Obviously I know about Pistons and Cade Cunningham. I'm, I'm, I'm not, it, it's not like I have no knowledge. There, there is not a scenario where I have like zero knowledge of any of these pro leagues and, and, and any of the, the college leagues as well. And I, I am going to tie I do want to talk college basketball as a Michigan fan. See, now that's where, like, all of the issues that I have with the football program, I do not, are opposite with the basketball program. Michigan basketball is elite, and I cannot wait to talk about them. Oh, yes, that is going to be a whole lot of fun. Jawan Howard is doing some very special things in Ann Arbor, and I have seen that, you know, unlike the football team, I have seen the basketball team win the Big Ten Championship within the last number of years. I've also seen them play for a national championship twice since 2013. So it is a, it's a very different atmosphere with college basketball with respect to, to, to Michigan. And yeah, I definitely, that that's coming up soon. We're like a week and a half away. I think they played a scrimmage last night, if I'm not mistaken. Like it was off the books and like wasn't televised. People couldn't see it, but there were reports about it happening. So yeah, no, that's definitely want to talk about that. But yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, for those of you who are sports inclined, those of you who are sports fans, this, this can be a bit of a, of a sports fix. If you're even remotely interested in my opinions on any of these topics at all, I am going to provide this. I do want to do this for sure. Why the hell not? I love doing this. This is a lot of fun to be able to talk to anybody about the stuff that I enjoy, whether it's all the geeky stuff over on the Flightcast or the sports stuff here on this new show. But that is going to do it for the first episode of Monday Morning Sports Ball. Uh, thank you so much for joining me here. Hope you're having a great Monday or whenever it is that you're listening to this show. Uh, please do not hesitate to let me know what any of you think. If you're a fan of any of these teams or if you've got some thoughts about any of these leagues or you know what's going on, if you want to complain about refs or if you want to vent about what happened with your team over a particular weekend or through a particular week and to send all that in. Yes, absolutely. I want to have, I want to talk sports. I want to have some conversations with anybody listening to this about any of these sports teams and about anything that is going on. I am open to all of it. Seriously. I, 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 I am centered around Detroit sports and I'm a Michigan fan. I'll talk about all of it. And that includes it. If you happen to be a Spartan or a Buckeye fan, yeah, I'll, I'll talk with you. I will. I will be civil. 
I will. If you were civil, I will be civil. And and that extends to you know, Vikings fans, Packers fans, uh, Bears fans, right? Because like again, I I have a lot of mutuals that are like Bears fans and like Chicago fans, right? If you are a fan of a team that has a natural rivalry with Detroit or the Michigan Wolverines, as long as you're civil, we we can have a civil conversation. Absolutely, of course, you know. And I am at I am on Twitter at the Flightcast, and I not I'm not always civil on Twitter, but I will be if you're a civil. It it is all you know, it's all subjective. It all depends on how the conversation goes. But that's where I am on Twitter at the Flightcast. I can also be reached by email at ray at the Flightcast dot com, and I've got the Facebook page for the Flightcast, and I've got the in- Instagram for Flightcast as well. Uh, and also, you know, I've got the Patreon for the Flightcast, patreon.com slash the Flightcast with all of the, the nerdy extra stuff there. I might th- start to throw some sports things in there, you know, may- maybe maybe some rants. You know, Sun Just Don't might not be a bad idea for some, like, really heavy sports rants, you know. The next time Michigan loses a stupid game to a rival or something like that. I don't know. Something like that. I'll, I'll, I'll have to, to think about that. But at any rate, guys, thanks a lot. Cannot thank you enough for any of you that listen to this. Take care, stay safe out there, and I will see you next Monday. Take it easy.